Disclaimer, before we get started, if this program sounds a little different to you, different than the normal ones, understand it's because I'm doing it in a different place than normal, using different equipment. It might sound a little different. We're going to do what we can, but it was better than waiting and missing out on some of these nominees. So, so deal with it. Welcome everyone to episode 42 of the Effie Awards. I want to give you a personal apology that it's taken us a little longer than normal. We try to get these out every week, a little past that this time. We have an excuse in our minds. We've been doing some extra work moonlighting for the patrons. Those who follow us on Patreon.com, because they've typed in Effie Awards, E-T-H-Y Awards, and they've signed up as patrons, we've tried to get them some additional content. And as a result, we've released uh, two extra episodes uh, from our best of the last year's episodes, the 2022 Effie Award nominees and nominations under the categories of the AT&T Award, which we give for people who don't call the clients back, the Archie Bunker Award, those who call the clients back but didn't call them names because they kind of have issues with, with um, discrimination. <laughs> and so we've done that and gotten those things out. So it took us a little while. So I apologize <laughs> that we haven't gotten the regular podcast because we're moving into the 2023 awards. And so let's get right to it. I can't stand it anymore. I've got to get out of here. I've got to get out of here. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. That was one of the many hilarious scenes from the movie Airplane. And in that particular scene, we had a bunch of passengers who took turns slapping the hell out of this hysterical woman. Believe it or not, sometimes life imitates art, even with lawyers. In this category, worst temper in a non-legal setting, we have the general counsel of the Denver airport who was forced to step down after yelling at a co-worker and then slapping in the face multiple times at their holiday party. Now, according to news coverage of the incident, which is in the Denver Post, there were several people discussing police use of force practices, and some were calling to defund the police. This lawyer, who by his own account is quite passionate about this issue, begins to fervently discuss police de-escalation techniques. To illustrate his point, he decided to role play with a co-worker who definitely did not sign up for this role, the role of punching bag. However, that didn't stop the general counsel from demonstrating how he thought the police should handle the situation of a person who resists arrest and provokes an officer, i.e. violently. That apparently is when the slapping took place, <laughs> at least according to several eyewitnesses who reported the matter to airport authorities and the press. By the way, uh, for you, the antics of your holiday party to make it to the newspaper, uh, somebody doesn't like you a lot. I don't know about you, but when I worked for companies, what happened at the holiday party uh, stayed at the holiday party. It certainly didn't get back to the press or your spouse. All right, that's it. <laughs> the general counsel denies this and says, look, I didn't violently slap anybody. Okay, now he acknowledges that he, he did catch the other person by surprise. 
And that perhaps he went just a scotch, a, a tad too far in making his point. Uh, in his departing statement, he says, and I quote, while my intentions were good, and I am very passionate about this topic, unfortunately it appears that at least one participant found the exercise embarrassing and inappropriate. And I agree. In fact, if you slap the hell out of me at the holiday party, I'm going to find it quite inappropriate. And it's going to be embarrassing for at least one of us because in the words of that new Negro spiritual, Try Jesus, not me. Because I throw hands. Try Jesus, please don't try me. Because I fight. Touch me or mine, we gon' have to scrap. So, try Jesus, please don't try me, because I fight. I have no problem laying these hands. Of course, we should know that this happened at a holiday party. So perhaps alcohol paid a small part in it, right? Uh, according to the general counsel, no. He assures us that he was stone cold sober at the time, which as I see it, is not a factor in his favor. Because if you're throwing hands sober, uh, what kind of fool will you act drunk? Interestingly, the Colorado Bar hasn't weighed in on the matter, and unless someone brings a formal complaint against the lawyer or he's charged with a crime, the bar probably won't. But the damage has been done for this lawyer who had a very successful career and jobs with several top companies up until now. But I'm not sure any company is going to GC who goes WWE from time to time. Uh, to paraphrase the spiritual, uh, try talking, uh, but don't try slapping. You might get fired. <sighs> it was a dream. I dreamt the whole thing. It was just a bad dream. Good morning, sir. Merry Christmas. Coleman, I've had the most absurd nightmare. I was poor and no one liked me. I lost my job, I lost my house. Penelope hated me. And it was all because of this terrible, awful Negro. It was the dukes, it was the dukes. You're a dead man, Valentine! It was an experiment. They use us as guinea pigs, man. Dukes used us as guinea pigs. See how our lives would turn out. They made a bet. Fred is true, sir. I believe him, Louis. Dukes ruined my life over a bet. For how much? A dollar. That was a scene from the movie Trading Places, our nominee in the category of most impaired in a legal setting. And here we have a Michigan lawyer who traded places with her drug-dealing clients and began dealing coke and meth herself. Ultimately, she was suspended from the practice of law for three years. And among other things, she also traded legal services for crystal meth. Now, interestingly, the lawyer bartering legal services for drugs was not the biggest of her problems, and it only came to light after she was arrested in a drug scene for selling meth to someone at a gas station. The police had been tipped off when they arrested another drug user, 
who confessed to them that the lawyer had been supplying him with the drugs. Now, after this drug sting and the lawyer gets caught and arrested, they search the lawyer's home. And the police discover not only more drugs, but also drug paraphernalia that seems to indicate that the lawyer was probably using just as much as she was selling. She certainly was doing some coking herself, and she tested positive for cocaine just six days after being arrested. She ultimately pled guilty to the drug charges and was sentenced to nine months in jail, which, by the way, was six months more than the prosecution had recommended. The judge threw on, right, <laughs> a little extra time. Now, I don't know any of the details about this lawyer and how she got started on this path, but I can say that I've seen this happen quite a lot. Uh, for whatever reason, a criminal defense lawyer will turn to using drugs, which become easy to obtain from her clients. Uh, before long, she's hooked and needs a way to finance her habit by either dealing drugs or trading legal services for them, and in this case, both. Before long, she's in, in just embroiled in the drug game. Now, from what I can tell, this lawyer's entire life became consumed with drugs, using them, selling them, and defending other drug dealers and users. One of the interesting things pointed out by the Michigan Disciplinary Board is how they found several texts of her advising clients how to beat drug tests. She became basically the local drug guru. Unfortunately, drug addiction is not rare among lawyers. Sadly, lawyers have among the highest rates of drug addiction, among the highest rates of alcoholism. We have the single highest rate of being shot in the face by a former vice president. Yep, drugs, alcohol, and Dick Cheney are killing us. And we mostly got rid of Cheney, but we still got to deal with the drugs and alcohol. And oftentimes, the drug addiction comes in a quote-unquote legitimate way. Lawyers are not always in an alley somewhere, right, smoking crack with someone. Sometimes it happens through addiction to opioids or painkillers. Throw your back out, get in a car accident, whatever. You'll go get your opioids. Next thing you know, you're hooked. Your doctor cuts you off. And now you're in the back alley getting black tar heroin because, believe it or not, heroin's a lot cheaper than Oxycontin. <laughs> not kidding. That said... However it happens, it never ends well, and it almost always ends the same way. There are no happy endings because of the nature of the relationship with your clients, particularly if you're a criminal defense lawyer. It's always going to make sense for your drug clients to trade up, in a sense, by ratting you out to the cops. This is what happened here. <laughs> a client says, well, if you want to get me for some petty anti-crime, let me tell you who you really like. How about my lawyer? And they'll think, wow, the lawyer's much better. Also, the lawyer has other clients that they might rat out in return. You become a better get, so to speak. So this is often what happens. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is you find yourself beholden to a local drug pen because you use, they've helped finance your habit. And now you're, you're in real trouble. Now you find yourself basically doing their bidding. Now you're reporting to Scarface about which one of his lieutenants is likely to turn state's evidence. You're delivering hit instructions to stop that person from doing so. And I'm not kidding or exaggerating. It's not just a movie theme. We've had cases. We had one a few years ago in the Ethi Awards where that literally happened. So try weed, uh, but don't try math unless you like jail. Try weed. It's legal and quite cheap. <laughs> I'm being silly. I promise I won't sing anymore because it's bad to me and it's in my head. So I know it's bad to you. But the larger point it remains, and it's quite serious point, 
is that using drugs and alcohol to excess and to particularly narcotics of any type to any degree leads you down a road that's not just going to impact you personally. You're not just going to lose a few teeth. But in this case, Lori lost three years of practice, nine months of freedom. It's not getting any better from here. As you can see, I have provided everything a child might need. All right. Uh, okay. As I was saying... Hey! Oh! Somebody broke that. Okay. Okay. Clearly, we need to set some rules. Rule number one. You will not touch anything. Uh-huh. What about the floor? Yes, you may touch the floor. What about the air? Yes, you may touch the air. What about this? Ah! Where did you get that? Found it. Okay, rule number two, you will not bother me while I'm working. Rule number three, you will not cry, or whine, or laugh, or giggle, or sneeze, or burp, or fart. So, no, no, no annoying sounds, right? Does this count as annoying? Very. That was a scene from the movie Despicable Me. Our next nominee in the category of Miss or Mr. Uncongeniality. Now, I'll confess it's early in 2022, but we already have lawyers shacking a fool up in here. We had one last episode. We have one now. And in this case, we have an Illinois lawyer who is looking at possibly serving a three-year suspension for referring to opposing counsel as despicable, but also a schmuck, disgusting, scum, an idiot, a perp, active criminal, and then threatening to flay him on a public pillory. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to Google at least one of those terms just to know how bad that is. Oh, oh yeah, that's bad. That's bad. And that was just in one case. In another case, this same lawyer, in which the opposing counsel was a baby lawyer, but had a big mega firm, and so this lawyer threatened to uh, rip y'all a new one and referred to a legal rope tightening around your neck. Now, for his excellent use of violent visual imagery, he's probably worthy of some type of award, uh, perhaps most threatening in a civil litigation. But you can see that that might be a good way to write a Hitchcock film or <laughs> a thriller, probably not the best way to handle the practice of law. And wait, Johnny, there's more. Uh, this type of bullying behavior was just how this lawyer liked to get down and dirty, and in the mud. In another matter, he sent harassing emails that were described by the court as harassing both in quantity and language. I don't know what number is quantity you know, on, on the scale, uh, but it's probably too many. Uh, in, in other matters, he threatened to sue witnesses during testimony. <laughs> yes, okay, witness, you're crossing the line here. If you continue telling the truth like that, I'll be forced to sue you personally for libel, something like that. Amazingly, it took until just recently for anyone to attempt to even put a stop to this behavior. The lawyer has no prior disciplinary history, although I find it really hard to believe that he just started acting a fool last week. That was his New Year's resolution. Uh, that said, I must say that this is quite unusual for a lawyer to be looking at a three-year suspension for a verbal outburst. I usually need to hit or have sex with somebody to get three years. But this seems to be a case of who 
you do it to more than what you did. Because as my people like to say, uh, he done messed with the wrong one, baby. <laughs> Let me explain. The Illinois Hearing Board went to great lengths to point out just who he was messing with and their big firm affiliations. They even mentioned the names of the firms, some of the parties involved, like including the former Chicago mayor and renowned cursor himself, Rahm Emanuel. And while the hearing report doesn't read, you better recognize, uh, it's a good reminder for the rest of us, uh, you better recognize. Now, this isn't fair, and it's not the official policy of anybody, so don't quote me on this. But I've read enough of these reports to begin to recognize a pattern, one that is evident in most areas of life, and I imagine in most industries. Uh, there are made men and women that you bet not mess with <laughs> because you don't want that kind of smoke. Uh, it's camel unfiltered. <coughs> yeah, that, that's the kind of smoking cough you get when you mess with these people. Now, please understand, I'm not suggesting that you should instead go around abusing, you know, the small people in your industry, the noobs, because one, that would be wrong. And two, uh, you don't know them like that. Let me explain it to you. All right. In other words, what I'm saying is don't assume that just because some lawyer is a solo practitioner that they don't have friends in high places, like on the disciplinary committee. They might be fresh out of law school, went behind the ears and broke as a joke, uh, but daddy might be state bar president or managing partner at Suchy Muchy Much LLC. So unless you really like driving Uber, you need to play nice. Mr. Gambini, are you mocking me with that outfit? Mocking you? No, I'm not mocking you, Judge. Then explain that outfit. I bought a suit. You've seen it. Now it's covered in mud. This town doesn't have a one-hour cleaner, so I had to buy a new suit. Except that the only store you could buy a new suit in has got the flu. You get that? The whole store got the flu. So I had to get this in a second-hand store. So it's either wear the leather jacket, which I know you hate, or this. So I wore this ridiculous thing for you. You on drugs? Drugs? No. I don't take drugs. I don't like your attitude. What else is no? I'm holding you in contempt of court. That last clip was everybody's favorite scene from the movie My Cousin Vinny. And here we have an Oklahoma lawyer who resigned from the bar in the face of six grievances filed against her. By far the most interesting is that she did not dress appropriately for court. This alone has earned her a much-deserved nomination for the Hitchcock Award. And remember, this is the award we give that's the Surprise Award. Remember, Hitchcock was master of suspense. These are lawyers who have that ta-da right moment when they realize they done messed up because they didn't think it was that serious until now. Now, we should be clear. This lawyer wasn't forced to resign from the bar, give up her entire career just because she wore white after Labor Day. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not sure. I did try to find out exactly what she wore that was so offensive to the court, but they seldom give you that kind of detail in these reports. They certainly don't have pictures. Uh, moreover, most of the report dealt with the far more serious allegations about conflicts of interest and neglecting clients and general incompetence, that type of stuff. However, the Academy chose this case to highlight and even make it, made it the feature case of this episode because it's important to remember that our newfound progressive sensibilities uh, when it comes to controlling women, for say, for instance, 
they don't necessarily apply in a court of law. After all, I think most of us would agree that it isn't up to men to dictate what's appropriate for women to wear, at least within reason. Obviously, the woman employee who shows up to the office uh, naked uh, has probably taken casual Friday a little too far. We would agree with that. But the old days of measuring hemlines and, and that kind of stuff are over, at least in most places. Uh, but a court of law is not most places. All right? There's a strict dress code in that environment, and there's a Latin term for it. Now, I forget the Latin term, but I think it roughly translates to whatever the hell a judge says it is. <laughs> in other words, if the judge says you need to show up in a backless chaps and a top hat, uh, then you better take your butt down to the formal wear slash stripper boutique and get what the judge says. And I'm only kidding a little bit. Look, certainly requiring lawyers to show up in revealing outfits would be a problem. Right? That earned the judge their own ethnic nomination. But asking an officer of the court to show up in uniform, like an officer, and the uniform, say, being a suit, is not exactly unreasonable. And that's the case even though none of us still fit into our pre-pandemic suits. It also applies even if the courts are closed and you're just appearing via Zoom. Now, don't get me wrong. In that case, you can still opt for backless chaps or nothing at all, but on the bottom, like the part the camera can't see. But for the portion of the body that's visible on Zoom, it never hurts to put on a dress shirt, blouse, and a jacket. If you're a man or Diane Keaton, you might even want to put on a tie. In other words, the official Zoom dress code is Donald Duck semi-formal. Right, business on top, and if you want, nothing on the bottom. Actually, I'm kidding about that. I'm also going to encourage you, even on Zoom, to wear pants. Here's why. Because uh, you might need to get up to retrieve a file or something. I don't know, maybe a fire breaks out. Whatever it is, nobody needs to see you, Donald Duckin, right, your way out, out of the Zoom meeting. And this is just one of the many reminders that I like to constantly give to lawyers. I think it applies to everyone. But that you know what? I know you think you've grown. you responsible, professional. You've some sheepskin on the wall. Your grandmama's very proud of you because you made it. you big time. If you have a good job with good benefits, whatever it is, uh, understand that all that might be true. But in a court of law, somebody's the boss of you. <laughs> it is not an egalitarian arena where we all take turns sharing our views and, and we have compromise and give and take. I know there's somebody there who's the boss of you. And this lawyer got in trouble not the first time, but the second time the judge had to say, don't come up in here wearing that. Whatever that was, right? that might have been a reasonable thing to wear to, any, to another judge's court, to the club, wherever it was. But in that particular place... You don't make the rules. I know it's a humbling thing. It's something I think in the pandemic, a lot of us are thinking rule schmooze, and that might apply to a lot of things, to parenting, <laughs> to day drinking, all of those things you can probably do now in the pandemic or not do, but in a court of law, none of that matters. The judge is the boss of you. That said, we'll see you next week to see four other lawyers who don't understand the rules either. And finally... If you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, CLE.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to Patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or at the Ethi Awards. And we thank you so much. See you next time.